0: Today on Your Money, Your Wealth, podcast number 309, Joe and Big Al are answering questions from across the personal finance spectrum. We've got inherited IRAs and late RMDs contributing to non-qualified deferred compensation plans, making Roth contributions for grandkids and how a Roth impacts student loans, taxation on ESPPs and RSUs, as well as what those are, more discussion of paying off the mortgage, a retirement plan spitball analysis for Christine and her clergyman husband, and for Schmitty and his bread distribution business. No, not that, Smitty. This is a different one. Ask the fellas your money questions. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the podcast show notes, then click Ask Joe and Al on air. But don't all of you go changing your names to Smitty now, please? I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, and CFP and Big Al Clopine CPA.
1: So we got Brian writes in Hello, just started listening to your show, and you all do a fantastic job. They have a unique question. So he just started listening to the show, but he's got a unique question. Right. How Did do he, he binge? How does he know? How, Unless does, he, he's, how does he know? It's to unique. Shows, right? Guaranteed it's going to be a Roth IRA question. 13 years ago, my wife received a small inherited IRA that the advisor managing at the time explained nothing. The first brokerage firm sold it to Merrill and we paid little attention to it and didn't take any distributions. I have drastically enhanced my personal financial knowledge during COVID and would value your insight and options. The inherited IRA was around $10,000 and then cratered, During the financial and is financial now, it is now about sixty eight hundred bucks. We just ignored it. What does he talk about the financial crisis back in two thousand eight? I don't know. The money is insignificant in any terms of our financial plan, but don't want to poke Uncle Sam. It's a bit of a mess. So she inherited an IRA. She's never taken a required distribution. Thirteen years ago. Thirteen years ago. Take one every year. Every this year.
0: is Brian. I think it's Brian, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, it's Brian. Yeah.
0: Oh, wife's wife's. Yeah. Yeah. Inherited IRA. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. So of course he didn't do it. It's his wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They always say that, right? All right. So we don't know how no. old Brian is. No. But let's just assume he's fifty-five. Okay. All right.
2: I bet that's yeah. That's a good good guess. And so thir- thirteen years. Let's just say.
1: 4% not even that. I was going to say 1%. No, it's not that low. Because At it, it's, 50? 55? It's probably well, but, this life expectancy is 40. If you're 70 and a half, it's 28. Yeah. S- 70 and a half, 28 on inherited? Well, no, on your own. On your own. So we can look up the table. Well, okay, seven. okay
2: right. call it three. Who cares? Okay, let's just let's cover. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Actually, the answer is uh, Brian. You should move out of the country because they're after you. <laughs> you got to watch out. But let's just say three percent. Okay, three percent of ten, which 000. is
1: which is very conservative.
2: Yeah, three hundred dollars a year for ten years is three thousand. There're three more years, so call it four thousand bucks in RMDs. Okay, that he should have taken over that time, or mm-hmm. she, she should have taken. So do you know what the penalty is? The penalty is 50%. So that's a penalty of $2,000 right there out of the four. Plus, because you're so late in paying, you have late payment and interest charges every single year. It's accruing at 9% per year. So I don't even know what that's going to be, but probably 4000
1: <laughs> by the time. So, so, uh, so. so he's asking one, or, one of three things. Can I just cash it out, pay the taxes, and move on? Should we start the lifetime RMDs and leave it? Other, um, any other options? Okay, so let's back up here. (laughs) If you inherit an IRA and you're a non-spouse beneficiary, you have to take a required minimum distribution based on your life expectancy. So we don't know how old the person was that inherited the account. So we don't know what the required minimum distribution is. Sure. We assumed it was 3% of the overall account balance that needed to be taken out each year. So that's where we come up with $3,000 per year. What would be the required distribution that Brian's wife would have taken out, Pay tax on that $3,000. There's a 50% tax penalty for any RMD that is not taken. So one year she missed it, $3,000 is the RMB, $1,500 tax penalty. Yeah. Well, no, $300. I'm sorry, $300 tax penalty.
2: $150 penalty year one. Then over 13 years, there would be late payment and and interest charges, which would amount to another 9% per year. Cumulative. Cumulative. So the question is, what the heck does he do? So I have two answers. All right. (laughs) You want to hear them? Sure. I'll, I'll start with the correct answer. Uh, the correct answer is you withdraw whatever RMDs you were supposed to have taken. Let's call it $3,000. Let's call it $4,000 because there's 13 years. Okay, And then you pay your penalty, which is, which is half of the $4,000, which is $2,000. And you've got to pay, and the IRS will bill you for interest and, and late payment charges. Then you can go back and write the IRS and, and ask them to forgive the penalty because you had no idea about this RMD. And they'll often do that for a year, <laughs> usually not 13 years, right? So that's the correct answer. It's not a great answer, but it's the correct answer. Um, what some people do in the situation, this is not the right answer, but they just withdraw the whole thing and hope no one catches them. Right? I'm not recommending that. I'm just saying that's what some people do. So
1: um, it's, it's a very little it's insignificant to his financial plan. Yeah. Um, You just cash it out, pay the tax. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't start earning these
2: now. I I would cash it out. Either you follow my correct suggestion, (laughs) which is pay the penalty and ask for forgiveness, or you follow my second non-recommended
1: strategy, which is just withdraw it and hope no one ever catches up with it. Got it. Okay. Um, Hopefully that helps. We got Jeff from Dallas, Texas, Uh, He goes, Hey, Joe, Big Al, and Andy, I have listened to your show. Well, on walks here in Dallas, Texas, for the record, I drive a black 2013 Toyota Prius. Plug it in, Jeff. Get that little pun there now? I got it. Got (laughs) it. What are your general thoughts on non qualified deferred compensation plans? Are maxing out contributions to a backdoor Roth IRA, HSA, 401k, and doing after-tax mega barn door roth 401k conversions better what do you think about deferred compensation plans or go straight to non-qualified taxable accounts
2: yeah so in other words if he maxes out everything should he do the deferred comp plan or should he just pay the tax and have a brokerage account
1: okay if more content would help i'm married and about 12 years from retirement we would end up close to about 40-60 split between pre-tax 401k and Roth 401ks. We have a smaller taxable non-brokerage account and we're expecting to fill most of our post-retirement basic income needs with Social Security and a pension. I'm weighing an option to use my employer's non-qualified deferred compensation plan my last 10 to 12 years working to create a deferred income stream that would bridge us from retirement at 60 for our full retirement age. Delaying Social Security for my wife and I until 67. Thanks for all you do. All right. <clears throat> so deferred comp. A couple different types of deferred comp plans, uh, but I'm guessing he's got a deferred comp where he might be highly compensated, works for a firm that says, you know what, Jeff, you can defer 20%, 30% of your income Maybe you can defer 50% of your bonuses, and you can defer quite a bit of income into these plans. You can. Right. And so it's all pre tax so You're not taxed on it. You're deferring your compensation to a later date. The problem with it is that you have to, there's a few different issues, right? The, the, the best thing about it is that you get a huge tax deduction. So I'm deferring all of my income this year, let's say, and then, or you have a huge income year, you can defer it. But then you have to elect when you want it to get paid out the year that you defer it. So do you want to have it to come out as a lump sum, five years, 10 years? So there's there's a lot of planning that needs to be done if you're going to utilize these plans. Also, the biggest thing I think people are nervous about is that it's an it's a asset of the company. Right.
2: Yeah, I, I would agree with that, and and this is he says it's a non-qualified deferred plan, which most of them are. So, um, but yeah, so that's the good news. You get a tax deduction right now, and it can be rather large. Although usually you got to set these up in like November or December of the, for the following the following year. Following year yeah, yeah. So by the time we're doing this podcast and you're listening, unfortunately, it's too late for for 2021, right? But so with that in mind. I like the concept because you're in a high, generally in a higher tax bracket. You defer money into deferred comp, and then you get a payment stream later. Here's the huge caveat, though, as you already mentioned, Joe, which is it's a liability of the company. It's not a funded retirement account. So if the company goes belly up, your deferred comp plan is gone. There is no deferred comp plan. This is not like a 401k where money is put aside in a separate account. And even if the company goes bankrupt, it's still there. This is not like that. This is a liability of the company. So if you're retiring, um, Jeff, in 10 to 12 years, I would pay very close attention to the strength of the company. And do you think it's uh, it, it's viability for the next decade? And it's more than that, because if you, if you elect a 10-year payout and you retire 12 years from now, you're hoping they'll have the money for 22 years. That might
1: be a big ask. So just be careful of that. Right. Um, I, I think with our experience with these plans now, they're, they're large fortune, usually they're larger companies, companies, but we've seen larger companies not fail. do so well. Sure. So, I'm just saying, yep. Um, so hopefully that helps. couple of things to look out for there, too. Some planning ideas that we've done is that we've deferred a hundred percent of people's comp into these deferred comp plans that have because they also, anyone that has these plans. They also have giant 401k plans. Right. And they also have a pension plan. Right. And they also or, right. So yeah. they're going to get killed in taxes long term. So we've done Roth conversion strategies with this to defer, you know, a, a bunch of their income, push it out at a later date and then try to get as much money out of the 401k into a Roth as possible. We've done that. Yeah. But you've got to run a projection just to understand that when that deferred comp payment is paid out, what other income is going to be paid out? How old are you going to be? Social Security, RMDs, everything else. You know, you don't want to blow yourself up there because you could potentially put yourself in a lot higher tax bracket because of those deferred comp payments. But it sounds like he's bridging the gap with the deferred comp. So it seems like Jeff is dialed, but hopefully that helps out. Yeah. She'll, yeah, I was just gonna say he's got a lot in Roth so already, so that's good. Uh, Therese. Okay. Hello. Our wonderful granddaughter is turning 21. She is attending the University of Oregon, studying to be a physician assistant. We want to give her a special birthday present for all of her hard work and keep her plan for the future retirement, taking advantage of compound interest, quotes, CI. Yeah, I like that.
2: (laughs) guess you wanted to then shorten her.
1: How can we... Easily explain CI to her and excite (laughs) excite her about committing to a small savings now, which will pay off later. Something I wish I knew early in life. Would it be best to open a Roth IRA with $1,000? I heard Vanguard has low fees and may have such accounts. Maybe we can contribute to a small amount monthly or annually, $500 or so, for her birthday. She works on campus, making about $2,500 a year. Thanks for all your help. Um. Well, how do you CI now, <laughs> compound interest? Well, first of all, yeah, I love the idea. And she has to have
2: earned income to do this, and she does. She's so, got
1: 2500 bucks. Yeah, yeah. She could put up to $2,500. I'd put it into a Roth IRA. Yeah. She has full access to the money in any time. Then it compounds. Yeah. Um, that, how, how do you explain it? Well, it, you, you need know. a calculator. Uh,
2: here's a simple way. If it earns a 7% rate of return. It doubles every, every 10. Years. Every 10 years, it'll double. So if she's 20 and she retires... At 60. So it'll double at 30. It'll double again at 40. Double again at 50. Double again at 60. So two, four, no, one, two, four, eight, (laughs) 16. If I did that right. Anyway, and that's only one investment, right? You know, it's 16 times as much. So that's pretty good.
0: Download the ultimate guide to Roth IRAs for free from the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. You'll learn in depth what a Roth IRA is and how you can benefit from it. How a Roth IRA differs from a traditional IRA or from a Roth 401k. The rules for contributing to a Roth, Roth conversions, backdoor Roth conversions, the rules for taking withdrawals from your Roth account, and a whole bunch more. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the show notes and download The Ultimate Guide to Roth IRAs for free. And of course, if you still have questions, just click that Ask Joe and Al on Air Banner there in the show notes as well and send them on in.
1: Christine has a novel here. Yeah, and I'll say, my goodness, uh, this is, this we, should, is we should have a word cap. So. No. Yes. And you got to bear with me because <laughs> I'm zero prep for this and I don't read very good aloud. Christine, <laughs> but you are getting better. Christine from PA. Dear Andy's mom, Andy, Al and Joe. I put Andy's mom first because she deserves great credit for transcribing the podcast. How the hell does she know that?
0: I mentioned at one point at a million years ago and people listen really closely. I think, Hi, Mom. thanks
1: <laughs> I think I think she's your friend or something
0: I don't know Christine at all
1: I guarantee you guys are old college chums
0: Annie is next
1: because she keeps Joe and Al on the straight and narrow Joe needs this help more than Al <laughs> Al is next because A comes before Jay but yeah, to be clear why is you're all awesome you're all yeah y'all 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 awesome and I've learned so much from the podcast. Thank you. All right, Christine, thank you. Uh, my husband and I are, <clears throat> are both age 59 and trying to develop our retirement funding strategy. I am pre-retired and have finished uh, finished gain employment I don't plan to work full-time again. I have a 401k with a current value of 720000 I also have a Roth IRA of 185000 So let's just call it a million dollars for good old Christine. Okay. We're at it. I plan to collect Social Security at age 70. She's 59 now, Al, so she's got some time. Sure. According to the Social Security website, she'll get $16,000 per year Social Security payments. And this is based on having no more income between now and age 70. My husband was a... Clergyman and opt out of Social Security many years ago. This, as you will know, is an option that clergy can choose. He has done so. um, He has done some other non clergy work and so has met the 40 credit requirement for Medicare and will have $4,000 per year in Social Security payments at age 70. He has a 403B that has $940,000 in it. I'm sure you'll know that the 9 in the 403B9, gosh, I, I, I just avoided that, man. <laughs> a plan means the distributions from the plans are not taxable at the federal level if they are used to provide housing. Yes, we do know that, Christine. Yeah. Thank you. Housing exemption. Exactly. exactly. Um, he also has a Roth IRA of $275,000. Together, we have $100,000 in a brokerage account bank accounts. Uh, my husband also has a small pension that will pay $10,000 a year starting at age seven. All right. So let's kind of we got thirty thousand dollars of fixed income at age 70 from Social Security pensions. Right. rounding, They got about two million dollars. Yep. That's about right. All right. Two point two. OK.
0: <laughs> Which is exactly what she says on the next page. Yeah. OK.
1: Well, why don't just start there, Christine? <laughs> Therefore, all combined assets are two point two million dollars. Um, and our social security at 70 will be sixteen thousand dollars per year. For me, eight thousand dollars for him, assuming he gets the spousal benefit with half my benefit. No, he will not get the spousal benefit because he opted out of it. Uh, there's the government offset provision, but I don't know if that actually applies to the clergy.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure either. And uh, plus, even if he qualifies, it would be half of your benefit at age at full retirement. At full age, retirement which age, which would be sixty-seven, not seventy. So it's gonna be something less for sure.
1: So, for a total of $24,000, this combined with my husband's pension, $34,000. Okay. Let's just call it 30, All
2: right. like you, you were, All right. you kind
1: of went down So, like $30,000, $2 million. Okay. Using today's number, our annual spending goal is $150,000 per year. This number includes our annual taxes. Uh, we can meet this goal from my husband's current income, but when he wants to stop working, and we'll uh, at age 65, which is six years away. Therefore, we'll need to generate $150,000 a year from our retirement assets and maybe part time work from age 65 to age 67. So she's asking, can, can they do this? Right? It's $150,000. They got $2.2 million. They're going to have $30,000 of fixed income. The shortfall is 120 dollars $120,000 into $2.2 million at 65 is pretty close. It's close. Well, and I would say in a few years,
2: if they're contributing with growth, so let's say it's worth 3 million at the time they retire. And let's say their spending is 170 at that point because of inflation, just throwing out a couple numbers, right? So 3 million, we use a 4% distribution, rate. That'd be 120,000 plus the 30,000 of fixed income, 150. fifty.
1: Maybe they're short 20. I mean, they're pretty close. Yeah, because, I mean, she, she's doing some good planning here, because yeah. th- this is really long, and she kind of goes, all right, well, we got to bridge the gap until Medicare, if she wants to retire a little bit early, and then there's going to be healthcare premiums, and then from there, if we're pushing it out to age 70 everything has to come from our retirement accounts until the Social Security turns on to, oh, right? So she's, she's doing the math here of saying, hey, we're going to have a higher distribution rate, and then it's going to go lower once our fixed income sources come in. But you can do the quick math. If you want to retire, let's say, you know, she's already retired. Husband's working, making 150 covering the bills. Sure. And they got a few million bucks. It's going to grow over the next four or five years, like you said. Call it $3 million. Um, fixed income's 30 They want to spend 150 I mean, it's super close. It's close, you just, yeah. You, you want to look at it and just divide – just to see if you're in the ballpark. Again, you can use the four, three and a half percent rule. Um, at age seventy, four percent probably is. You could, you could probably do four and a half, maybe it's seventy. Sure. Yeah. So it's all right. Well, how much money do you have? You have three million dollars. So four times three is one hundred twenty thousand dollars. So if you take four percent out of three, one hundred twenty thousand is probably what's going to what would be a, an appropriate distribution rate. You have $30,000 of fixed income, so that gets you to your one hundred fifty. So, But then do you have to pay tax on that, or is this included in tax? She, she said it's included. Okay, so then it's looking at, well, how are you going to take the distributions? you got a Roth IRA of $300,000. The housing allowance that you have is going to come to you tax-free. And I wonder if the $150,000 is included in the mortgage. You don't want to pay off the mortgage because then the housing allowance will become somewhat, yeah, it'll be be less.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so just for, for your information. So if you are in the clergy, you get, you get, you can get to designate some of your salaries, a housing allowance, which is non taxable as long as you use it for housing, which is defined as your mortgage payment, property taxes, maintenance, things like that. Interestingly enough, if you have a retirement plan from let's say the church that you're working at and you withdraw money from your retirement plan, uh, after you retire, you can still use those same dollars for that housing allowance, even though you're no longer actively working. So that that that's all a true statement. And to to the extent that they have, uh, they've got some Roth, but with this uh, 403b nine, there's potentially a lot of money in there that could be tax free. So they could they could do this fairly tax efficiently. But yeah, it's pretty it's pretty close. I mean, I, I'm I'm gonna say, you know, if you if if you're if you really need to spend $150,000 a year, it might be a little tight. You might want to have some kind of part time income or some other income sources, maybe just to, especially during the stub period between now, between the time they retire and Social
1: Security. Well, yeah. I mean, the 4% rule just kind of sees it in the ballpark. But once they start retiring, once they are retired and start taking money from the accounts, you got to do things differently. You're not going to say, oh, I'm going to take 4% out of my account this year. No. Yeah. yeah, right, yeah right. You're going to take a look at, all right, well, what's up? What's down? What's sure. Where's the money held? How's it going to be taxed?
0: Yeah. You know, so true. you want
1: to make sure that you have an income strategy. When we talk about these four and three and a half percent rules, it just gives you guys a rule of thumb of, all right, do you have enough assets to make this thing work? But then when you flip the switch to retirement or probably three or four years prior to that, You want to make sure that you have a really solid retirement income strategy of how are you going to create the income? What investments should that look like? What portfolio should it be in? Um, You know, and then it sounds like Christine wants to give another million dollars to her three kids. So, you know, now you're adding on layers of complexity here. Should the allocation change? Well, sure, the allocation should change. As you get older, depending on how much capital that you still have and what your living expenses are as you get older, because now the money's not necessarily for you, it's for your kids. So. Right. And how are your investments performing and, and how how does your spending change as
2: you age? I mean, that's why you, yeah, you're right. The it's it's four, super four, four, dynamic. 4% four rule is just kind of a, it's, just, <laughs> it's a one time, you know, you kind of, you know, lick your thumb, put it up in the air. Right. And, and
1: is this about right? Yep, Exactly. Um, she's also wants to roll over a 401k. She's got a small IRA with a thousand dollars in it. Yeah. You can just roll it into that. No big deal. You don't have to start a new one. Um, so thanks again for your amazing, helpful podcast and kudos to Andy's mom, Christine Pete and tiny. Well, thank you, Christine Pete and tiny. Hopefully that helps. Good luck um, on your retirement. Sherilyn. Hey, Joe. I enjoyed your webinar. Here's my burning question. Does a retirement account adversely impact the ability of an owner to qualify for student loans? I'm thinking about establishing Roth for our children. If you want to know more about this or us, husband retired from his full-time job on 1-2-2020 when he knew that FC's bankruptcy was on the horizon. He's continuing to work as a courier, maybe $2,000 a month. Also started social security, $2,500 a month. He turned his pension and 401k over to a, to an RA. I believe in rolling all possible to Roth. The RA does not. What, what is an RA? Retirement Uh, advisor? I guess. RA. Uh, Could be, she forgot the I, it could be IRA. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. A retirement account? Yeah, let's go with retirement. Account. Okay. His, con- his concern is you may not earn back the taxes in the Roth. Hub's advisor accounts lost sixty k in March, and it freaked him out. As of 1130, he's earned it back. He has a Roth and an IRA with an RA.
0: <laughs> I think that's a retirement advisor.
1: Uh, the uh, Roth. Roth is 30000 The IRA is 580000 uh, yes, most of his money is tax deferred. He took $28,000 out of the pension and put it into the IRA he controls. That's 49K now and will be converted to a Roth on $1421. Okay, okay. <clears throat> this year has been financially crazy with a massive financial check, 10K in taxes, adjusting and making withdrawals, funding our Roth IRAs for 2019 and 2020. I'm trying to project our taxes for the year. Typically, we are... Under $80,000 taxable. This year, I'm trying to stay under 171000 I bought FB on the 2012 IPO. Oh, now she's talking. stickers tickers. Right. Facebook. Um, got it. And still hold it. 600% profit. I'm planning to sell it this month because I don't know if... <laughs> you know, uh, why do people just write us and brag about... <laughs> You know, what's the question? You got RAs and FAs and RIAs. I mean, I can barely understand a word she's saying. I feel bad and, for our listeners. And we're in the industry. Right. The you know, hubby's got a, an RIA, but the taxes on the RIA. What will be on the RA. And yes, most of the money is TD. <laughs> tax
0: deferred. That comes from the webinar. She said, I enjoyed your webinar. And she's taking TD from the webinar. Got that's it.
1: Deferred. Well, I think what the, her, her, her question was: Does it, if her, if her kids or grandkids got have a Roth IRA, does it affect their student loans? Yeah, I, that's where I thought she was going. But then we, we, we went on this got, tangent on of her six hundred percent profit in FB. We, <laughs> 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 we did. We started. Of I didn't even remember that was the question. Yeah, that's the question. The Burning. Here is my burning question: Does a retirement account adversely impact the ability of an owner to qualify for student loans? I'm thinking about establishing Roth IRA for our children. For student loans, no. For grants, yes. Because it's an asset. So it's in the kid's name. The retirement account in the kid's name would it would have no effect on the student loans. But if they were trying to get scholarships and Pell Grants and things like that, it could have an adversely effect. Well, we should say we're not experts on student loans. I, I think it I I think you don't think because it's a retirement account they won't count it. I don't know. I don't know either. We, we, we see. I said it with authority. I know you're waiting I wanted for me to, to, to take a break. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. That I was going to get out this stuff. <laughs> Let's say that may be the truth. All right. Thanks, Sherilyn.
0: Sherilyn attended our free 45-minute webinar on taxes in retirement, and you can too. Learn how to take advantage of tax-saving opportunities available to you this year, 2021. Find out how recent tax legislation impacts you, your family, and your retirement savings, and understand the strategies that can help you reduce your tax liability as you plan for a successful retirement. Following the presentation, there will be an open Q&A session. And if 45 minutes isn't enough, you can learn retirement from soup. to nuts! While parked on your own couch, in our two-day digital retirement classes beginning in February, you'll learn how to calculate your financial needs in retirement, the different types of retirement accounts, Social Security, taxes, investing, stocks, bonds, other asset classes, insurance, estate planning, and more. Just click the link. Just click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app. Go to the show notes, then click Retirement Classes to register for either the forty-five minute Taxes in Retirement webinar or the two-day digital retirement class.
1: Here's a new rule: If you start bragging about how much money you make on stocks, you're just cutting you off, especially when it's not related to the question. All right, you ask a question, and, we'll, and then hey, if you want to know a little bit more, I just made six hundred percent on Facebook. <laughs> Booyah! <laughs> Sherwin, <laughs> hey Big Al, little Joe, oh, and the beautiful Andy, love your show. Um, it is very informative, and it shows that you guys know your stuff and can explain it better than most people. Not everybody, not everyone, most, most. Thanks, Richard. <laughs> Here's my question. I had a large unexpected capital gain this past year, so my total long-term capital gains will be about two hundred thirty-three thousand dollars. My income from earnings, pension, and unemployment will be sixty-two thousand dollars that will make my adjusted gross income $285,000. I file my taxes as single. On my Schedule A, I have a write-off of $65,000 in cash of charitable contributions and another $10,000 for the state and local taxes for a total deduction of $75,000. So my understanding is that since my deductions are more than my ordinary income of $62,000, I will pay no federal tax on the $62,000 But we'll have to pay 15% on $200,000 and 18.8% on $23,000. Do I have that correct? (laughs) Uh,
2: I I think so. I think he's dead on there. Yeah, I think because, because when you got capital gains, you look at your ordinary income, you subtract out your ordinary deductions. If you get a zero or negative number, you can figure all your capital gains are taxed as capital gains only, which means... In the fifteen percent bracket, if there's no tax to pay, and then twelve percent. Yeah, twelve. Sorry, 12%. Yeah. twelve percent. The
1: twelve percent, twelve percent ordinary income bracket. There would be no tax to pay. Anything higher your cap gains is fifteen. Yeah, you explain it better than most. <laughs> <laughs> better than me. <laughs> um. So, all right, because he's got more deductions than ordinary income, he's in a negative tax bracket on the ordinary income. Yeah. Yeah, which means the capital gains will be taxed simply as capital gains. So I, yeah, I agree with the statement. Okay, Um, and if I'm not paying any federal tax on my ordinary income because my deductions make my ordinary income is zero, sixty-two thousand minus seventy-five is negative thirteen thousand. Would it make sense to do a Roth conversion of thirteen thousand dollars from my traditional IRA since my taxable ordinary income would still be zero? Uh, the answer is no, and the reason is because
2: if you do that, you'll pay not only. well, you you'll 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 push uh you'll push a bunch of your capital gains that will otherwise be non-taxable be taxable, right? Some more fifteen percent. So you could run
1: the numbers there because it's just pushing the capital gains I, actually, up. But the thirteen thousand would still be fine. I, um, it would be zero. I take that back. You're right. You could push you could
2: push your ordinary income up to the top of the 12% bracket and still be okay. If you go past that, you're, you're in trouble.
1: But if he just converts $12,000 or $13,000, because his ordinary income is negative yeah. $13,000 from an ordinary income perspective, yeah, yeah. he adds another 13,000 that uses up the deduction. The capital gain sits on top of ordinary income. So when yeah. the, when the conversion basically be tax free, the conversion tax free, but you'd have to pay fifteen percent on capital gains. Fifteen percent on capital gains it. that you pushed into. So, so basically, it's a fifteen percent tax rate plus state. Yep. All right. Very good. I agree with that. I'm sure everyone caught on to that. We'll get so many questions. Well, what sits on top of what? Thought, Who sits on what? what? Who's what? on for what? Yeah. yeah. Right. We got Schmitty from Florida. Hello, Big Al and Buff Joe.
0: <laughs> Note: This is not our normal Schmitty.
1: Oh, no, it's another one.
0: No, it is. Schmitty moved to the. This is a different Schmitty. No, not. Notice how he spells it.
1: I don't care. <laughs> he, he moved to the villages, didn't our boy Schmitty? Yeah, he Schmitty. did. Yes. This Schmitty. is a different one. Oh. This is Schmitty. Schmid. Schmitty. Not Schmitty. <laughs> the other guy's Schmitty too. Yeah. Okay. Without the, the other
0: name. one is S M I T T Y.
1: Schmitty. Schmid. Schmitty or or Got it. Maybe he was having a few cocktails. Maybe. <laughs> Hello, Big Allen, Buff Joe. I just wanted to read that again. <laughs> yes. I know you appreciate the flattering. Andy, who needs a raise for keeping you two in line so well. I am a 41-year-old that is blessed with a high-paying W-2 job, 200K a year, and a smoking hot wife, <laughs> 35 years old, and making around the same amount. Did he mm-hmm. send a picture, Andy?
0: He did not. Sorry.
1: Mitty. He's got a smoking hot wife. Make it bank. Our company cars. Oh, well, he's got company cars. Our 2019 Traverse, and she drives a 2020 Acadia. Both equipped with third rows for our three young kids. We have a cat named Cat. cat. sounds like Big Al. Yeah, he's <laughs> got a cat named Kitty. Kitty, that's right. All right, we both max out our retirement plans annually. And each allow after-tax contributions with in-plan conversions, a.k.a. mega garage door Roth. So if Schmitty gets it, he understands you have to have after-tax contributions. There you go. There's just over $1 million in retirement and $500,000 in brokerage. We also started maxing out our HSA option too. In order to diversify for our tax write-offs, we bought a couple of investment properties. But nets very little income. We also own a bread. A bread distribution <laughs> route?
0: I'm so surprised you got stuck on bread. I was like, who the hell has a bread distribution route? <laughs> oh, hey, nets him forty five thousand a year.
1: I didn't I was like, <laughs> I read it. <laughs> And well, I'm like, well, he has got a smoking hot wife. There's no way he's got a bread <laughs> He's delivering bread in his spare time. he <laughs> ah, he's siphoned. He's got, he's got to pay for the two nice cars. <laughs> well, those are company cars. He's got to pay well, for the smoking hot wife. Yeah, and the three kids. Oh, uh, We also own a bread distribution route that nets us $45,000 a year once we pay our 1099 employee in expenses. It'd be awesome if you guys could spitball any ideas <laughs> on how we could, A, stash more extra income away for retirement uh, to any savvy investments uh, can that make a profit and reduce our taxable income. I look forward to your show each and every week and wish you and yours a very safe and happy holiday season, uh, Schmitty. Do you get your bread delivered?
0: I've never heard of a bread <laughs> delivery guy. Me neither. Just to grocery stores and bakeries and yeah, stuff like there, that, I guess. I had a, a milkman when I was a kid.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I don't know, Schminnie. You just gave us a really good idea. I'm going to buy a <laughs> bread distribution <laughs> route. <laughs> That's 45K passive <laughs> income. Oh, uh, do, you, do you think he drives it around,
2: or you no? Think his he's, wife does.
1: I don't know. He's got an employee, 1099 employee. I don't know. is the employee does he stack the bread? Does he make the bread? Yeah, I don't know. Does Schmitty make the bread? Maybe. see.
0: I don't know. Well, see, here's his car. Yeah, he can, well, I, I, a, here's it. his wife's car. They could both hold a whole bunch of bread. Yeah, you put down that third seat. You could oh, hold
2: lots of loaves, lots there. of bread.
1: Um. All right. So he's making bread. All yeah. right. <laughs> he's got dough. Uh, can stash more cash for retirement? All right, so he's doing a good job. He's 45 41 years old, they got a million bucks in retirement. All right, 500,000 dollars in a brokerage account. Um, yeah, I would continue to build a brokerage account now. Qual um, it, there's no magic bullets here. You make a few hundred thousand dollars a year, your wife makes the same four or five hundred thousand dollars a year. Sounds like you're frugal. You got a bread distribution company. What else do you want here, Schmidt? Well, you know what? Let's see. He, he Max, we both max
2: out our retirement plans, so you can't do a 401k, but you can do a SEP IRA for the bread distribution business. So there's a little something there. Well, he's also doing the mega back door. That's that's fine. Cuz you well, that the SEP IRA doesn't is not limited by that
1: $60,000 number. Cuz it's employer contribution. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So yeah, there you go. SEP IRA for the um, for the Bread, the, the bread
2: <laughs> distribution business. It's hard to say.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I never thought I would read that in my life. And there I go. And <laughs> yeah, let's see. Any
2: savvy investments to make a profit while you reduce your taxable income? Yep. Oil and gas. <laughs> <laughs> terrible investment. but
0: Facebook, 600%. Enough.
2: No, there you go. You can... You, I, I like I like real estate. I think you're on the right track there. But he makes so much money to make
1: any type of tax benefit.
2: I know. I know. But at least it's a, it's diversification. And, you know, Florida is a growing area. A lot of retirees like to live there. So, yeah. Um, no, yeah, I agree with you. There's no magic bullets. I think you do SEP IRA for your bread distribution business. And if you want to buy more property, by all means, go for it. Otherwise, just build up that uh, that non-qualified account, non-retirement account.
1: Yep. No, I like it. Pete on debt. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, right. So, all right, spending. Uh, you, you know, I, I like the oil and gas. We do that opportunity <laughs> zones. Yeah, those are great tax write-offs, not necessarily great investments. Um, what was other? What was the other one that we?
2: Oh, the low, uh, low-income, low-income housing. housing.
1: That one's even worse. Yeah, the, low-income housing tax credits. Yeah, right. right. So solar. Yeah, let's get solar on that, that Florida. That floor down. get some
2: solar. <laughs> yeah, that would work. Drive electric car. Get the electric car credit. Yeah.
1: Um, let's see. What else? Hire, a,
2: hire a disadvantaged person for the bread distribution business. That would be all right. Get
1: a, get a credit there. Got a credit there. So now we're spitballing. Um, any 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 other spitballs you got? That's all I got. Yep.
2: If you, if you come up with a new kind of bread, research and development credit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's stretching it a little bit, probably. Uh Bread without yeast or something. You know? <laughs> something. All right. Uh, thanks for the uh, email, Schmitty. Uh, this is the new Schmitty. Schmitty yeah. number two. Right. Uh, got Priya writes in from Irvine. Hello, Big Al, Joe and Andy. She referenced that in order of seniority. Yes. Or maybe because Big Al is a vegan. Yes. Vegan. Vegan Al.
2: <laughs> First, Although I did uh, over New Year's, I had an OG's pizza. Uh, uh, triathlon with uh, barbecued chicken and bacon—that was so good. I hadn't oh, had my. a long time. You ran a triathlon, or no? The pizza's it's, called, a pizza it's called, it's called triathlon. Triathlon, no. Best pizza ever, by the way. Not at oh, geez. Not on the menu. You have to order it specially. I wonder how Dino's yesterday. doing. Dino, oh yeah, I think yeah. He's, That
1: was a while ago. Remember, we would we would hang out and have some beers with him after. Our, yeah, that's right. Radio show, right? All Years right. ago. <laughs> first things first. Uh, thanks for the amazing podcast. I've listened to almost all your episodes available on Apple Podcasts. Jeez, Priya. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Even after that, I learned something new in every podcast you create. Second, in the recent podcast, Joe is frustrated.
0: <laughs>
1: still, That's all the podcasts, Priya. <laughs> but still answers patiently. With too many Roth and Megador back Roth questions, I concur as there are several other topics that need similar attention. Having listened to almost all your podcasts, I can see how you have answered the same (laughs) Roth questions many times. We have. But from a new listener's perspective, who is maybe new to Roth concepts, it sounds exciting. It would want to understand more. (laughs) Given its tax free nature, it does sound exciting. Look at Priya just making everything calm and beautiful. Yeah, right. She's going to help your Zen. She's very thoughtful. Yeah, right. At least I'm not going to ask you the Roth question this time. This time, my question is related to ESPP and RSUs. Okay. Employee Mm -hmm. stock purchase plan and restricted stock units. All right. From a previous employer, I have approximately $10,000 and 20000 in these accounts. The stock in these accounts are performing very well and are completely vested. If and when I sell the stocks in these accounts, will they be counted as ordinary income? I have no knowledge in how these accounts operate and their tax consequences. Hope you all have a happy and relaxing holiday and a great new year. I'm dreaming about traveling in 2021. <laughs> Me too. Priya. Regards, Priya. I am totally with you. I'm dreaming about Priya right now.
2: (laughs) I'm dreaming about traveling with Priya and my wife. Um, (laughs) Let me throw that in there real quick.
1: Okay, so an employee stock purchase plan, Alan, uh, that's just when an employee purchase their own stock at a discount.
2: Yeah, generally you, you buy employee stock at a 15% discount and, and it's it, it's not even necessarily the price at the date you buy it. It's like the lowest amount during that quarter or the beginning date of the quarter. I can't remember exactly what, but yes, you buy stock at a discount. And then when you sell that stock, it's, it's capital gain, but there can be an ordinary component. And I sort of forget those rules. I think there might be a small ordinary income component on ESPP stock, but mostly it'll probably be capital gains. As far as RSU, restricted stock units, um, well, if they're already vested, it means that you've already paid the ordinary income tax.
1: Because it's compensation.
2: Yeah, it's com- it gets added to your W-2. So... If you've already paid the tax on it and it says you've invested. So, yeah, any investment then is going to be capital gains to the extent the investment is higher than what you originally paid for it. So that's just like any other
1: investment. So with the restricted share unit, so let's say as part of her compensation, they gave her $10,000 worth of XYZ stock. Yeah. So on the W-2, as she's filing her tax return, let's say she makes $90,000 of W-2 wages, but her income that year is going to be $100,000 because the other $10,000 is included in her taxable wages.
2: Yeah, that's right. And so that's also her new tax basis. So in other words, now she's got $10,000 and she buys $10,000 of Amazon, whatever, whatever stock, whatever mutual fund she wants to and that particular investment goes up to 15000 So now there's a $5,000 gain. So she'll pay capital gains on that $5,000. And Priya, if you hold that for more than a year, it's long-term capital gain, which is a cheaper tax than ordinary income.
1: So not too much tax consequence. They're performing well. So I don't know what performing well really is. 600%. Uh, yeah. Is it like <laughs> uh, FB? <laughs> I yeah. bought in 2015. Yeah. I bought Netflix and, you know, $12 a share. <laughs> I was in the IPO. I'm friends with a broker. All right. All right. Uh, thanks, Priya. We got Craig from Nevada. Is it better to prepay an extra $1,500 per month on a new 30-year mortgage, $230,000 at 2.65% or invest the $1,500 each month making 10% interest? I'm thinking invest. <laughs> <laughs> I love 10% interest. How do, you, uh, how do you get that, Craig? So, Craig, yeah, 10%. So the the math is 10% versus 2.65%. Yeah, I think you answered your own question.
2: Yes. Right. It, in other words, if you, if you truly believe you can earn 10% on this $1,500 a month, of course, you're going to do better doing that. But that's the whole nature of investments. Nothing's guaranteed.
1: I would not prepay a $1,500 30-year mortgage at 2.65%, I would take the $1,500 and invest it in my retirement. I I would too, because that's a fantastic rate. And then now we're going to get hate mail.
2: (laughs) Damn it! I knew you'd say that. It's the arbitrage. (laughs) All you financial
1: planners always say that. uh, I paid out my mortgage (laughs) my neighbors. They all (laughs) foreclosed. (laughs) Now, on the other
2: hand, if if having a mortgage bothers you, yeah. Go ahead and pay it off Really, We don't care.
1: Oh, we got a bunch of these here. Um, oh, we're almost out of time. Okay. What if your mortgage is in forbearance due to COVID? How does that affect taxes? Because we haven't been paying interest on the mortgage. Forbearance in taxes. Okay. What if your mortgage is in forbearance due to COVID?
2: Um, so, <laughs> so it sounds like he's not paying his mortgage. I don't what does forbearance mean?
1: I don't even know if there's that that's like a student loan. Right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I don't I've t- never heard of a mortgage in forbearance.
2: T- typically with a mortgage, you stop making your payments and you get nasty letters and then it starts affecting your credit and then you, the bank starts trying to call you and if you don't do anything, they'll eventually start foreclosure proceedings, which generally takes a year or more, more you yeah. know after you stop paying so how does it affect your taxes because we haven't been paying interest on the mortgage where well, you don't get a tax deduction if you haven't been
1: paying the interest payments so there, well, uh, so mortgage forbearance is like a student loan they're just they allow you to pause the mortgage yeah that's that's a problem that maybe that's what it is so yeah, yeah.
2: with that so so there's really no impact necessarily now if if it does go into foreclosure... How does
1: it affect your taxes? There's no interest. You're not... Well, he right. wants to
2: write off the
0: interest. There is yeah. no interest. Yeah. You're not paying
2: it. Yeah. If we catch it up later, you can write it up then. If the house goes into foreclosure, there might be debt relief income. So just be aware of that.
0: Stick around to the very end for the derails. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 to schedule your free financial assessment video call. It doesn't matter where you are in the country, and chances are, one of the certified financial planners at Pure will be able to identify strategies that can help you create a more successful retirement. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision.
1: All right, my husband and I live outside of Pittsburgh, PA. I drive a 2008 Chrysler Sebring convertible. Nobody, oh, one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I got the convertible because it's the only way that our 145-pound great dane, Tiny, can ride with me. He loves to ride shotgun. and appears Joe does not know what cars look like and thinks everything looks like a Camaro. Camry.
0: <laughs> Camry. Oh, sorry. I can't
1: read either. <laughs> So Let's just assume the Sebring looks like a Camry too. I know what a Sebring looks like, Christine. I, I do too. I rented one in Hawaii one time. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you and Christine oh. <laughs> two peas in a pod. She, she was there. Yep. We both rented at the same time. I have to listen to the podcast while Tiny and I are cruising around the rural roads uh, near Pittsburgh with the top down. If Joe wants to ride along as we listen, as he suggests once on the podcast, um, he should wear his waterproof clothes because he will be in the back and Tiny does drool quite a bit. All right. All right.
0: As his uh, jowls flap in the wind. I, think <laughs> that, I can
1: already imagine what that feels looks yep. like. We'll pass. Hard, <laughs> hard pass. Hard pass. Not uh, even a consideration. Hard pass.